Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio, where you are your host, Tim and Julie Harris. You can tell I've been on coaching calls all morning. I'm a little bit tongue-tied. And we are broadcasting live from lovely Austin, Texas. Julie, welcome to today's show. Yes, thank you. Zoe would say, are you okay? <laughs> Being tongue-tied. <laughs> That's right. So I was yeah. just oh, she take it okay. literally. Yeah, exactly. You know. So we're going to have a fun uh, topic today, guys, and this is a topic that's in response to, frankly, the feedback we've been getting from a lot of our coaches about challenges you guys are having in your transactions. Uh, Julie calls this the ultimate addendum, and I think that's probably a good title for it. The essence of it is is a lot of you guys are, frankly, suckered into taking really bad uh, deal offers from buyers, or in some cases, you're the one that's actually working with a buyer who never actually can perform. So you're stuck in these situations where these buyers, whether they're coming in, off, uh, coming in on your co-ops or whether they're buyers you're, you or your team are actually working with, they're actually grenades with a pin pulled, and you don't know it. So what we're going to do today on today's radio show is we're going to give you a very in-depth drill down on exactly what a lot of you guys are doing to, to basically make it so that you're going to have uh, 11 o'clock or 11th hour failures of your transactions. If you've ever had something happen, uh, at the, you know, and all of you have, it, you know, I'm thinking California agents, you guys are, you know, this is a real tragic problem on the, most of the West, western part of the United States. Because, frankly, how informally a lot of business is done out there, especially with regards to what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to give you the exact mechanics and the exact uh, verbiage for an addendum. And you guys want to run this, you know, the addendum uh, by your office managers, your brokers, or whomever, um, and then start applying it to every one of your transactions. And what this will do is it's essentially deal failure insurance. That's what this addendum does. So we're going to give you the details on it. Yeah, we're going to get – I just thought of it. I thought it was good too, huh? So we're going to give you the details on it, so make sure you think about what we're talking about, you apply it, and you apply it universally. Um, and, we're, again, we're going to give you real-life examples. This will be a really, you know, like you know, like a lot of you guys have come to know on this radio show, we like to give you guys very practical and, most importantly, tactical information on how you guys can make money during this shifting market. And, uh, yeah, and a lot of you guys are sending us really great emails thanking us which I'm frankly thrilled about. Not the thanking part. Those are always nice. What I'm, thank- what I'm personally thankful for is that you guys are so much in gratitude for the fact that we are willing to put our heads on the guillotine a little bit and give you information that was so counter to what everybody else was telling you about the real estate markets. Um, and we are giving you information that, frankly, in a lot of cases, I was fearful legitimately that you guys would not be able to emotionally handle, and the exact opposite was true. So for that, I apologize for underestimating our 100,000-plus listeners um, and I encourage all of you guys who don't know what the heck I'm talking to go, about to go back and listen to the past radio shows. We did a series of three radio shows on the changing market, and you definitely want to go back and listen to those. I think it's from two weeks ago, maybe. And if um, you know, you go back to on realestatecoachingradio.com, realestatecoachingradio.com, and listen to all those shows. And I actually received two emails from people asking how they can listen to us on their mobile device. Um, and the easiest answer and the easiest way to do that is depending on what kind of a mobile device you have, 
you can actually listen right off the website, Real Estate Coaching Radio, or you can just subscribe. So when you go to Real Estate Coaching Radio, if you're on a, a Apple phone, you can subscribe, and yeah, I think it'll automatically uh, have you uh, use iTunes, and every time there's a new podcast, you'll be notified about it. And I think Stitcher takes care of our subscribers uh, that are, are not using iPhones. So, yeah, I mean, we basically have you covered. I had uh, actually Ben Salem in L.A. sent me a really cool screenshot of him <laughs> listening to the podcast while stuck in L.A. traffic on the 405 or whatever it's called uh, in his Tesla. I thought that was fun, actually, seeing all that in one <laughs> cool. screenshot. I should put that on the website. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, guys, listen. The main thing is is we appreciate the feedback. We appreciate the encouragement. And we appreciate your willingness to think outside of the box and, you know, frankly, that's exciting because in markets that are in a process of change like we're, we're entering into, that's where the greatest opportunities are going to happen. And that's where you have to be the sharpest. You cannot, you know, you cannot be basically resting on your laurels and just expecting, you know, every, all the, you know, the sun to comp- continue to shine uh, in the same way it has been. There are always going to be opportunities no matter what direction the market's going, whether it's going sideways, up, down, doesn't matter which. Don't be stuck with the mindset that you can't survive and, you know, not just survive, but actually kick ass and thrive and whatever's happening next. So watch for everyone else who's in sort of the real estate, realtor education space to start to tell you guys the same thing in about six months to a year. Mark your calendar because they're not going to want to tell you the information too soon because in many ways it goes against they don't know how to basically deal with you guys not knowing how to deal with the information. So they might tell you the news, but they don't actually know how to be tactical and practical and tell you how to actually uh, get ready and prepare. And that's what this radio show is all about. You know, and, and not every market's going to be universally, uh, you know, affected the same way. Some of you guys are going to be in markets that even during the darkest days of whatever this economic reset that's inevitably coming in 18 months or less, whenever that, you know, however that boils up, you might not even be affected because you might be in parts of the country that are immune to it. And there's a lot of them. Or you're going to be in areas where, and this is the case for most of you, where some of your market will do really great and other parts of your market won't. So whatever and wherever you live, just be prepared. Go back and listen to the past radio shows. A lot of you guys are looking to take more of an aggressive stance in preparation. The best way for you to do that is definitely fill out that form that's on, you know, just scroll down. It's right there on your mobile phone. 85% of you or whatever listen on mobile devices. It's on your iPad. And scroll down, just put in your name, your email address, and your phone number. Remember, when you do that, you're going to get a call back from someone from our team. They're going to tell you about Real Estate Coaching Essentials. And just for filling out the form, we're going to give you those six free books. You have the image right there. You get all six of those books in digital format. They're emailed to you the second you fill out the form. It's a no-brainer. Someone will call you back, tell, about, tell you all about Real Estate Coaching Essentials. It's pretty much mandatory training uh, for what's coming next. There's just no other way to think about it. It's really, really affordable. There's no payment for the first 30 days. It's only $100 a month. It's a real live coaching program. You know, it's exactly what a lot of you guys have been looking for, thinking that maybe you couldn't afford it. We've worked, we're working with two major lenders. Julie and I are underwriting the program, so literally every single one of you, if you don't want to use your own credit card to pay for it, will finance you. So the whole thing is essentially a no-brainer. Fill out that form. Move forward on that. Do not delay. Do not be one of these agents a year from now who are saying, Tim, I wish I would have listened to you. You know, I wish I would have done what you guys suggested that I do because now I'm having to play catch-up. Or more importantly, now I'm having to do all the things I should have done a year ago at the same time that the other million agents are doing the same thing, and now I'm not going to get the same results. Literally, it's a first-come, first-served thing, what we're entering into with the BPOs, with the REOs, with the short sales, with the 
you know, upper luxury properties, all those types of markets, you want to be the first to those markets because then you guys will be the, frankly, you'll make the most money and be able to help the most people. So, Julie, you have something you want to read before we get to our first point. Yes, I do indeed, and this is just a quick shout-out to Tricia Jones, who lives in lovely and beautiful Pine Top, Arizona, which, if I recall correctly, is a bit of a smallish second home market, beautiful up there in Arizona. So if you have any uh, referrals for that area, perhaps you have a California client looking to make an investment out there, send them Tricia's way. Tricia writes to her coach, Robert Chance, who is one of our great coaches out in California, Good morning. I just wanted to tell you that I stepped past my fears this morning. My first for sale by owner, as we lovingly call them, unrepresented seller, call. And I have an appointment to look at the house. He actually wants me, in her words, to freaking list his house. It put a smile on my face, plus the serotonin and good endorphins are raging. Thank you for your amazing encouragement. And she says, next. So an excellent outlook, Tricia. Good for you for overcoming those for sale by owner fears and trepidations. So I just have to point out, one FISBO call, one appointment. Not bad. Nice job, Tricia. It's amazing how many agents don't set for sale by owner appointments simply because they didn't call them. It's fairly simple. Then we give you the scripts to do it with and what to do next. So nice job, Tricia, overcoming those fears, and nice job to Coach Robert Chance for being so supportive and getting her to do so. So I just wanted to give her that great shout-out, and I'm sure she's probably on that listing appointment right now. Keep up the good work. Back to you, Tim. Hopefully she's at the, hopefully she's at the closing for that listing appointment. So, Julie, <laughs> exactly. let's just jump right in. Yeah. Let's sure. just jump right in. Go ahead. Okay, so I lovingly call this the ultimate addendum. How to ensure against 11th hour underwriting drama. Not that that ever happens, right? So what are the things that cause a deal to catch fire a few days or sometimes a few hours prior to closing? What are the things that cause deals to come apart? What if there was a way to get in front of those problems before it's too late? So I made a note to myself, what is underwriting? Well, underwriting is, you know, you guys always get up to almost closing date, and then the lender calls and says, well, now that we're in underwriting, we found out A, B, and C. So the problem is lenders generally don't get to that last part, the real scrutinizing part where they actually approve the loan, until about a week before closing. Now, this well, varies a little bit. What? area to area, but generally that's true. Mm -hmm. Let's tell them why, okay? So lenders are trained, and some of you guys are lenders that are listening, and and you'll, you know, validate what I'm saying. Lenders are trained to spend virtually no time, and it's important you guys remember this, to spend no time with your client until the client's in contract. Literally, lenders, especially the lenders that focus on uh, working with agents, they will be nice, they'll take you golfing, they'll you know, buy you fruit baskets and all the rest of it. But what they won't do is spend time with your clients until they're in contract. They might have a phone call. They might give them rates. They might take an application and all of that. But they're not going to actually go in and do the actual work of getting the deal approved. Uh, they might even come up with excuses why they're not doing it. But for the most part, they won't because you're not going to ask them about what they're actually doing in the file. And the consumer won't know anything to know what they're not doing on the file. So, Here's what happens. This is the mechanics of it, and then Julie and I are going to walk through and tell you guys how you basically can build a wall of defense against lender laziness. So you send a buyer or you know, your seller who wants to buy something goes to your favorite lender. Let's call him Larry Lender, okay, Larry the Lender. So Larry picks up the phone while well, he's probably playing golf, right? 
and then your your client is going to give them their information. You know, Larry the lender. You know, so and so told Tim and Julie told me to call you. I need to get a mortgage, and then Larry the lender is going to do maybe whip out a little, maybe on his iPhone, an iPhone app to do a quick, you know, paper pre-approval. And then he's going to ask a question like, "How's your credit?" And they're going to say, "Fine." And Larry the lenders might send him an application that's online, a link, and they'll fill it out, and and that'll be it. And then Larry the lender is then going to you know text his assistant or even you know maybe just out of his own email, drop in the name and fire off the lender's letter, and then you're going to be, wow, that buyer is locked down, solid buyer. But what you're not realizing is that buyer actually isn't even close to being pre-qualified, let alone pre-approved, because here's the thing. Those words don't mean crap. Pre-approved, pre-qualified doesn't mean anything. There are useless terms. Do not think otherwise. Lenders will say, well, pre-qualified, that's just basically a basic conversation, but pre-approved, oh, that's something. So, what, mm-hmm. and Julie and I are going to get into the mechanics of this, but what you're going to have to realize is that you literally are going to have to force your lender to do their job. You're literally going to have to, as listing agents, and this is the hard part sometimes, but we'll, tell you, we'll walk you through how to do it, the scripts that you need to use when talking to the co-ops and whatnot. You're going to have to assume that the buyer who's, or the agent who's submitting the offer for their buyer on your listing absolutely positively has no clue what really, what really is going on with this lender, la- lender letter that they're including with the offer. And the reality of it is that lender's letter is completely and totally worthless because Larry the lender was trained to never spend any real amount of time doing a three-merge credit report, doing income verifications, doing asset verifications, doing employment verifications, doing uh, all the other mechanical stuff that's as a result of the Dodd-Frank legislation. He's not going to spend time on that file until that buyer is in actual contract because why would he if until the buyer's in contract – What's the point of actually applying for a loan? Because that buyer could just disappear and he spent all this time on it. Again, you have to realize, agents, realtors, you have to realize that that's how lenders operate. I'm not necessarily criticizing them for operating that way from a business well, perspective. Well, it's a time it management edge. That's all. Right. They're, they're, they're just trying but to prioritize you, who's actually in contract. But you as a listing agent cannot be taking offers from uh, co-ops or even from your own buyers, that are just these lame, crappy pre-approval letters that you guys think are okay. They're not. So that's the reason this can't, uh, this call, this uh, radio show today and probably tomorrow is so critical because you will learn, um, A, how to make sure you start getting real lender's letters that are actually have any value, and B, how to basically know whether Larry the lender is more focused on his golf game than he is basically in actually working with your client. So take really great notes Understand that in this conversation, the way the system works, the cards are stacked against you, so now you basically need to reshuffle the deck. That's it. So that's what underwriting is all about. It, they take forever, then you get the drama before closing. Well, so our job is to help you create the ultimate addendum, which forces the lender, in this case our beloved Larry the lender, to actually get it together faster so that if something's going to come unglued, you actually have time to deal with it, maybe take a backup offer or kill the deal yourself. So in order to create your own personal incredible addendum, whatever you want to call it, which kills all these problems, you want to make your own list. So I I got you guys started. What are the things that kill a deal? And then we turn that into your addendum. So number one, I'm going to go through these quickly. And Tim, remind me if I miss any of these, but these are the typical things that we're going to try and create an addendum to get rid of in, in, you know, ahead of time so you don't have to deal with it at the 11th hour. So number one, the buyer hasn't even applied for the loan yet, so no one knows a thing about them until you're halfway through inspections. 
Some of you accept contracts where the buyer has not yet even applied for a loan. Number two, on our deal killing list, the buyer had great credit and ratios when they applied, but you find out three days prior to closing, when they're in underwriting, that they just bought a new boat, a new car, a new rental property, etc., screwing up their credit and their ratios. Number three, the buyer hasn't disclosed that they're actually contingent on home sale, but they are presenting as contingent on financing. And Tim, I see this going on a lot with the competitive uh, situation where they are secretly contingent on home sale. They don't want to admit to it. Very commonly happening right now, and agents are getting themselves into trouble over that. Number four. Julie, slow buyer, down. Yes. Julie, do you want to, Julie, do you want to go back and drill down on these points uh, in a bit, or is, or is this sure. the only time you're going to be talking about point three, show. for example? So, well, no, we, sh- we probably should if you'd like. Point number three is really critical. So Julie just said this. I'm going to read this to you guys again, and I'm going to tell you basically how this – Frankly, how this is kind of a slimy thing, but it happens. Buyers haven't disclosed that they're actually contingent on a home sale. They're presenting on contingent on financing. So you guys get an offer on one of your listings today, and one of your list, and it looks like a great buyer, and the buyer, it's just a fill-in thing, contingent on buyer receiving financing. Buyer has 30-day receive financing. Just fill in the blank form, right? You guys will accept it. You won't think about it. You'll say, well, this is normal. And of course, they've included their usual typical crappy lender's letter. And then you accept the offer and then you put that buyer in contract on your listing and you then are, you know, thinking that you're going to get paid in 45 days or whatever. And whoop, guess what? It blows up. Because why? Remember, we told you this. Remember, your coaches told you this. Write this down. Never forget it. Being uh, contingent on financing means that the financing could be contingent itself on the sale of a home. And now I'm going to tell you guys, I'm going to be honest with you guys how I found this out, okay? (laughs) Jolene, I sold real estate, as you guys Mm -hmm. know. Unlike a lot of virtually every coach out there, we actually sold real estate. We sold a lot of real estate, between 100 and 200 homes per year for almost 10 years. And everything we're sharing with you on this radio show, we found out the hard way. So it was, I think, our second year in the business, and we had a buyer that we put in contract, this is a true story, and you know the buyer was only contingent on financing. I received the lender's letter. It wasn't a lender I was familiar with, but the buyer came with a lender's letter. Everything was fine. I thought so anyway. You know, back when ignorance was bliss. And so then, what happened is I put him in contract. It's normal, right? So I put it in contract, and then sure enough, like the day of closing, the thing blows up. We called up this lender, and the lender said, and I said, well, what the heck? Your lender's letter, this, that, and the other. I thought everything was locked down. It was just contingent on financing. And the financing letter said it was only contingent on um, the appraisal and whatever. There was a couple of BOEs, verification of employment, things like that. And he goes, well, the guy was going to put down you know, $10,000 or whatever the amount was. I don't remember. And, and he can't because uh, the, fa- the actual down payment was coming from the sale of rugs that his family was selling in Iran. I'm not making that up. True story. So literally, you can't make it up. True story. <laughs> So you can't. So literally, you had to, the guy's down payment was coming from the sale of rugs. So because I wasn't smart enough then to ask for a lender's letter that verified the dude had the cash on hand, right, which a lender, I mean, now when we give you guys the language to this addendum, you will be requiring that whatever lender is sending you a letter that they've actually verified proof of funds. You know, some of you guys who deal with all cash buyers and you deal with upper end uh, buyers, you have lenders letter. You have these all these cash 
funds letters from bank managers. How many of you actually call the bank manager and verify that it's real? How many of you actually call and find out whether or not that same lender's letter is used on the 10 other investment deals that that buyer is writing? You guys get the point? So you really have to make your addendum to the point where it's almost bulletproof. You can't make it always perfect, but, you know, this is how deals blow up because people – the lenders play games ultimately. So the lenders know that realtors, for the most part, are not going to know – that a uh, verifi- that the verifications haven't been done. Sometimes they'll put it in your lender's letters that you know this lender's letter or the financing is contingent on, you know, at the very very bottom they'll say financing is contingent on verification of employment or verification of assets closed. But sometimes the lenders use codes, so they'll say contingent on VOE, you know, contingent on this, contingent on that, and you're gonna like, well, what the heck is that? I don't know what the heck that means. You don't ask questions. You end up working with basically a buyer that can never buy, or you put them in, worst case, you put them in contract on one of your listings, take the listing off the market for 30 days, thinking that the buyer's you know, solid and they're not. So this is the reason this stuff matters. You have to assume, until proven otherwise, that the lender that you're working with is like Lazy Larry, who's focused more on his golf mm-hmm. game, than is actually doing front-end work on your deals. Because that, again, is how they're trained. There are coaches, there are trainers out there that work on, with mortgage lenders. We're not one of them. Uh, And they literally will tell their coaching clients, and, you know, this is, again, how the industry works, do not spend money or do not spend time on a file until the contract is actually signed by the buyer and the seller and the agent submits the actual purchase contract, then start doing all the verifications. In other words, after the realtor spent every weekend for, you know, the summer finding this perfect house for this, you know, family, and and all their – wasted time and all the missed ballet practices and all the missed dinners and all the lunches you had to buy for those buyers and the gas you had to waste and all that. And then, you know, the buyer finds a house, you put him in contract, and then you find out that the lender actually didn't do their job on the front end of the deal. That breaks my heart. And you know, that's the thing, the thing about those types of deals, guys, when that happens, it breaks your spirit. It burns you out. And you think, well, that's well, just part of the deal. And then and what do agents of- say? Then they blame the buyer. Oh, I hate working with buyers. Well, of course. Well, Right, it's not exactly. the buyer's fault, ultimately. No, it's yeah. the lender's fault. It's, it's well, Larry so, Lender thinking about his next golf hit. <laughs> exactly. Well, but technically, here's why we're spending some time on this. Number three, the buyer hasn't disclosed that they're actually contingent on home sale because technically, if, as long as they're contingent on financing, where's the financing coming from? Maybe it's coming from a home sale. So we're going to address that in our ultimate addendum to make sure that we are taking care of that fact and getting in front of it. So technically, legally, they're probably fine. There's a lot of this going on right now, guys, so pay attention, ask more questions. Number four on our deal-killing list, the buyer's down payment hasn't been verified. Is it coming from gift money, a divorce, insurance settlement, winning the lotto, unseasoned funds? Where's the down payment coming from? And, you know, Tim, I, I learned this on, actually on a cash deal in our old neighborhood in Olentangy Forest. We had a, a nice, quick deal. We were all excited. It was all cash. And that's before I knew to double verify everything. As it turns out, it wasn't really cash because it was contingent on a divorce decree, which hadn't happened yet because it hadn't been negotiated, and the deal tanked. So where is the down payment coming from? Typically, lenders don't verify the existence of the down payment, seasoned funds or otherwise. Is it enough? Where is it? Has it been around long enough? Until guess when? Underwriting, the week before closing. So we're going to address that in our ultimate addendum. So point number five on our list of deal killers, the buyer's lender has only done a preliminary, quote, soft credit check. In underwriting, it turns out that they have credit issues to fix. 
So there's different ways to pull credit. A lot of times lenders will not actually pull the tri-merge until the buyer's paid for their application. They'll just do a soft check on that pre-qualification call, and then we find out the facts once we really get into it. So I know well, there are many of you listening that have, have had that. Go ahead. Let's break that down. So what a tri-merge is, is it's TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian. And I think there's actually a fourth bureau now, too. But what happens is the lenders, uh, and, and oftentimes the lenders, if they're doing a pre-qualification at all, really doing one other than just a BS conversation that they 99% of them do anyway, and they're actually doing what Julie referred to as a soft pull. All they're doing basically is they're just checking the credit usually on Experian, and they're taking that one credit score. They're not actually comparing it to the other three or the other, you know, all of them. And so what happens is with mortgage regs is you actually take all three credit scores, and then you see what the average is. But there could be one credit, and this happens all the time. There could be one agency that has erroneous information, and because of the ridiculously stringent, or maybe call them maybe uh, sensical, uh, underwriting guidelines that are in place now, uh, if one score pulls down the overall score, then that person's not going to get the mortgage, and you're not going to find it out to the last minute, right? And then you're going to hear the lender say, well, you know, they had these lates, and then you just think, well, why that, maybe intuitively you think, well, why didn't you tell me about this or the buyer about this six months ago? You know, before basically I gave away all my Sunday afternoons to them. You know, why didn't you actually, Bonova, this is how it's done. We don't find these things out until we're actually in underwriting. Isn't this the kind of crap that lenders say that you think is normal? Well, not with our killer addendum, not with what we're training you guys to do now. You're going to force that lender to do the three merge. You're going to force that lender to actually do their job before you waste time with a buyer that can't perform or before you accept a contract from a co-op buyer that is not able to perform. This is what we want you to do. This is, the dip, this is what every single top producing, you know, mega agent, superstar agent that we've ever coached, this is what they are automatically do. If they hadn't heard about it from us, they probably learned how to do it just through their bad experiences. You know, there's an old Chinese proverb that says, a smart man learns from his mistakes, a brilliant man learns from the mistakes of others. This is a perfect learning environment for you guys to learn from the mistakes of others. Julie, next point. Sure. Well, and so some of you guys already, and we're only halfway through our list, your heads are spinning. You know, you're like, oh, my God, <laughs> now that's, what, that's why my deals are having trouble. Well, I have to say, that's Tim, right. that sometimes, not every call, but oftentimes our coaches get into this type of thing in helping you create your personal ultimate addendum. That's okay. I call that a diagnostic call. I tell the coaches if it means that you save a deal, you help an agent keep that deal together and it closes and they get paid, that was a great coaching call. So if you're already getting a headache over this stuff and you need help, go to joinharris.com, ask for help. You'll talk to somebody on our staff. It's okay if you don't want to go this alone. I know that we're getting kind of in the weeds on this, but this is the type of stuff that kills your deals. We are here as a coaching organization to help you make more money easier with less stress to you. So we'll do another one on our list here. And I know some of you guys have dealt with, especially in the hot multiple offer markets, number six. Buyer is so strapped for their down payment that going over appraised value, like their contract calls for, will unravel your deal. In other words, the buyer's already spending every red cent on their down payment, but they've gotten themselves in contract over competing offers where they're going to have to guarantee the difference on the appraisal, and they just don't have the money. So that means that deal's going to die. You may or may not have a backup offer. That backup offer may or may not be in the same position. So again, our ultimate addendum, which we'll get into more tomorrow, is going to help you solve these issues. Number seven, I guess I'll do one more if we have time here. 
let's see, number seven, the buyer's employment hasn't been verified at the time they wrote the offer and got themselves in contract. They're underemployed, unemployed, self-employed, or otherwise challenging to get approved. Sometimes they have too short of a job history, an unrelated job history. Maybe they're half salary and half bonuses. These issues almost never come up until the week before closing, where you were sitting there for three weeks, slogging it through your inspections, negotiating to the death, right? Hopefully not the death, but sometimes it feels that way. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) some other weird thing rears its ugly head. So you made it through inspections. It was knock down, drag out. And then we find out the buyer can't actually prove their income. Well, that was fun. So we're going to get in front of that before it's too late with our ultimate addendum. Back to you, Tim. Well, I mean, guys, again, this is a tactical uh, radio show, this one and tomorrow, because we're giving you tactical advice, practical maybe what some of you would refer to it as, that will save you a lot of time. Um, you know, as Julie was talking about that last example, you know, here's where you guys as listing agents can really make this information powerful for you. You can actually use this on a listing presentation. You can show, especially if it's an expired, right? You can show to the seller why a lot of deals don't sell or why a lot of uh, buyers don't actually perform. Um, You can show them your ultimate addendum. You can show them the fact that you take the conversations way beyond what a normal agent does. You can show them that you're going to that extra level to represent them so that basically they get the desired result of the most money, the least amount of time, the least amount of hassle. These are the little tiny things, guys. You remember we told you the difference between really where you want to be and where you are? We're not asking you guys to completely, like, 100% change everything. You know, most of you just have to basically dial it up maybe like 5 or 6 or sometimes 10%, and you just put in that much effort, which is really very little, and you get significantly better results. It's sort of like an investment, right? So when you guys invest in your education, when you guys invest in your little tactical things like we're giving you on this radio show, it pays off massively. It's not just one thing. There is no silver bullet to success, guys. It's At the end of the day, as you longtime listeners know, it's doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. And a lot of times that means you have to be willing to be bored but still be effective. Be bored you know, basically be motivated and enthusiastic even when you internally don't feel like that. That's called being a professional. So trick your mind into realizing that the success that you're wanting, and I use the word trick because sometimes you do have to use little tricks. You do have to use little incentives to motivate yourself. You know, you have to basically say, well, in a week I'm going to treat myself to something, right? You know, I'm going to take a weekend off or I'm going to make it so my cell phone doesn't work for the weekend or whatever. You're going to, give, you're going to basically make it so that you have built-in incentives. These are all the types of things that happen in coaching, by the way. Your coach will work with you in building up your stamina for performing at a higher level, again, even when you don't feel like doing it. So you're consistently getting results opposed to what a lot of you guys unfortunately suffer from, which is cash flow spurts opposed to cash flow. So this all comes from basically business maturity, and that's really what coaching is about. Here's what you guys need to do now if you've not done this already. Request a free consultation with one of our coaches, and all you got to do to do that is just fill out that form that's on your mobile device, and when you do, we're going to give you six of those books. They're going to call you back. They're going to answer questions about the coaching program, maybe give you guys some helpful advice on what direction to go with your business. I Honestly, I feel sorry for those of you, and I mean this, those are the exact words. I feel sorry for those of you who are listening right now who are not taking action on the things that we've been talking about, especially for the last month, because the lack of action 
that uh, you're not taking now is because you're maybe in denial that we're going to be in a shifting market. And I don't know why you're doing that, because the fact is is that when you take the actions, and they're relatively simple actions that we asked you to take, go back and listen to the past radio shows, you're going to get it's going to make it so you're recession-proof. It's going to make it so that no matter what happens to the economy, you're going to be prepared. And, and I feel sorry for those of you who have heard what we've said and have not taken action on those things. You're procrastinating. You're thinking, well, you know, I'll do it when it actually happens. Or I'll, you know, I'll basically buy an umbrella when it starts to rain. It's too late at that point because what happens is everybody else is buying the umbrellas and the umbrella store is sold out. You know, I remember when, all, when the floods occasionally hit in Southern California or, or that, you know, there's bad weather up in the Northeast where Julie and I are from. If you waited to get your snowblower in Ohio, uh, it, basically on the eve of the big-ass snowstorm that always happens, it's like everyone can kind of predict it's going to happen. And, well, big surprise, big snowstorm happening just the same time of year it did last year. But what happens is people wait the day before or the day up to go buy their snowblowers or their shovels, and they're not prepared. And then you'll see the people that are basically snowed in until the snow melts. That happens every year. Some neighbor, you know, come, comes and bails them out. So, guys, don't be that person. You've got to prepare ahead of time so that whatever happens next in the economy, you're ready. You're not only ready, but you're excitedly anticipating a shift because you know you have the tools ready to take advantage of that. So for those of you who are still sitting on your hands thinking that you have time, you don't have time. A lot of the actions that you need to take now are honestly first come, first serve. That's the truth. You wanted to get into REOs the last go-around back during the last crash and you were too late to the party. Well, guess what? If you wait a year, even six months, you're going to be too late to the party again. The same with a lot of the other things we teach you guys um, in the Real Estate Coaching Essentials program. So the smart thing for you to do now is just fill out that form, get a call back from one of our uh, team members. You get those six free books. And go from there. If you're on your desktop, um, go to joinharris.com. Julie, anything else you'd like to say to these guys? No, just stay tuned with us as we continue the show into tomorrow. We're going to translate all of these deal-killing dramas into the ultimate addendum. The ultimate addendum is your counter. When you get your offer, we're going to embed it in the deal, which forces the lender to get all these things taken care of before it's too late. We're going to show you how to do it when to do it, we're going to give you suggested language. No, I do not have a standard issue cookie cutter version of this because of the cultural differences in what you guys are dealing with. But what we are giving you is a fairly standard approach that you can modify for your own uses. And it, if we saved you know, three deals for you this year because of this, this was a valuable time spent on our podcast. That's what we're here to do for you is to alleviate some stress, get more deals in the pipeline, and allow you to handle more. Some of you hit what I call the real estate speed limit. You get only so much in contract, and because everything's going on all the time, you get stressed out and you stop prospecting, you, start, you stop lead following up, you stop marketing, you stop doing the things that got you there in the first place because you hit the wall of overwhelm. The ultimate addendum will help alleviate much of that for you. Maybe not 100%, but probably 85% of your deal-killing problems will go away. It will make you a more professional agent. It will make you more respected in your marketplace, and it will tighten your deals up tremendously, especially when you're dealing with potentially multiple offers where you have to choose, and everybody's throwing everything they've got, and they've got a panicked lender letter that they got because they called the lender and they had to have it right now, and nobody's ever checked anything, and then you find out later when the deal dies. So we're here to help stop that problem for you. So stay tuned. 
If you have any questions about this or anything else coaching-wise, just go to joinharris.com. We'll take really great care of you, and then we'll see you tomorrow for the continuation of the Ultimate Addendum. Back to you, Tim. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.